couple of songs that this passage reminds me of that I learned when I was a wee lad. The first is, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Careful where you're looking, friends. That's a song by Jim Croce, and we all know it. Feel free to sing along if you'd like. You don't tug on Superman's cape. You don't spit into the wind. You don't take the mask off the old Lone Ranger. In my addition, you don't mess around with sin. Yeah, it maybe doesn't sing as well, but it's true, my friends. You don't mess around with sin. Heed carefully the words that we read here this morning. Because this lesson is learned over and over, perhaps it is not learned. And that's the problem. The nation of Israel, over and over and over again, feels nothing like one failure after another. And the cause is not their God, my friend. It is their sin. And as we look at Joshua chapter 7, we're going to discover this yet once again. Perhaps a lesson we've already learned. Sin ain't worth it. You see, God had promised the nation of Israel a good land where he would bless them. Now, if you want to keep your finger in Joshua 7 and turn over to Exodus 23, you're welcome to join me there. I'm going to read just a bit. Important, important setting for the truth that we're going to learn today. You see, in Exodus chapter 23, 20, starting in verse 20, the Lord begins to tell Israel about this land and how he is going to bless Israel in this land. They are about to start this journey into this new land, conquering one peoples after another. And he says in verse 20 of chapter 3 of Exodus, Behold, I'll send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. And when my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I blot them out, you shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You see this march into the land of Canaan and utterly destroying all of these people is because of their idolatry. 
part of their worship was to take their children and put them into the hands of their god Dagon. And there they would burn them alive as an offering to demons. And God says, I will lead you in and I will give you wonderful victories and you will utterly overthrow them. But notice also, he says, I'm not only going to lead you there victoriously. You may recall that the Lord led the nation of Israel by a cloud by day. They would follow the very presence of God, leading them on their way in a fire by night. When the cloud got up to move, away they went. But when it sat, they stayed. But in the land, what then? You see, the Lord's intent was to bless them. Look at verse 25. You shall serve the Lord, your God, and he will bless your bread and your water and will take sickness away from you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land, and I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror before you and will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come. And I will make all of your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites from before you. Here is the plan. Do you know why you will be victorious? Because I will go before you and I will win the victory before you even arrive. And they began to experience just that. They began to experience just that. I mean, in uh, Joshua chapter 6, they had immediate success against uh, two... Uh, as they come to cross the Jordan into this land of Canaan, they had conquered the first big obstacle, Jericho. There it was, this walled city, a fortress. And how could a people wandering through the desert overcome such an obstacle? Because the Lord would give them the victory. And when they did, and they found victory, the first thing they did is they said, let's send in a couple of spies to spy out the land and see what's going on. And while these two spies were in the land of Jericho, they came across a woman named Rahab. She was a prostitute, and she hid the spies. She hid them in the roof underneath the thatch. A wonderful story and looks wonderful on flanograph. You may recall it as I do. And there they found encouragement because before they lay down, verse 8 of chapter um, 6, before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, this is what Rahab is saying about the nation of Israel. She says, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us. You see, that's exactly what God said would happen. He would send his terror before them and the enemy would begin to quake. Not much of an enemy cowering in fear. I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us 
and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And here is the testimony. Everything that God said is true. He said it, and he is doing it. So here, my friends, the Lord is known. The Lord is known. And so this is absolutely the perfect circumstance for the nation of Israel. God is providing for them, leading them on the journey. There is no one that has to sit back and ask, are we doing the right thing here? Because the Lord has made it clear and has provided testimony for them to know that exactly what God promised he is doing. And God hasn't changed, by the way. But when we come to chapter 7, we see that we discover that there is one thing that can absolutely disrupt, dis, dis, destroy, just mess with the people of God. One thing. There is only one thing, my friends, that can stop the people of God. So take a look in chapter 7 once again. And here we are jumping in at verse 10 where we receive a charge from the Lord. You see, they have defeated this, this great, great city of Jericho. And then there's the city of Ai over there. It's a little tiny bag. <laughs> oh, we'll take those guys. But notice what the Lord says to Joshua. Hmm. Well, what happens here, my friends, is they go to war. I'm summarizing here lest we're here all morning. But what happens is they're defeated by I. And everyone looks around and says, how could this be? I mean, we just beat Jericho. If you read the accounts, my friends, chapter, you would see there was a problem. And the Lord addresses it. He says to the Lord says to Joshua, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. It is the only thing that can stop the church. You paying attention now, are you? Well, oh no, I spilled my tea and it's so terrible anyway. Sin. It is the only thing. Little sin, we might call it, just a bit. Nobody knows about it, do they? Notice what verse 12 says. The Lord says to him, because someone has sinned, therefore the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies, and they turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. And I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Get up, consecrate the people and say, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, there are devoted things in your midst. 
those devoted things where all of the things that they had gathered and gained from conquering these cities were to go into the Lord's treasury. This was not the government of Israel, my friends. This belonged to the Lord and they stole from the Lord. (coughs) They are devoted things. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. So in the morning, this is the plan. Someone in Israel has sinned. However shall we know? Be sure your sin will find you out, my friends. Sin must be rooted out. It must be rooted out of our lives. So in verse 14, in the morning, therefore, you shall be brought near by your tribes, and the tribe that the Lord takes by lot shall come near the clans. And so the representatives from the tribes would come before the Lord, and he would say, pass, 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 until the, the tribe containing the man whom has sinned against God is discovered. And notice what the penalty will be. What do you suppose the penalty for sin is? Any idea, friends? If it's not clear, let's make it clear. And he who has taken with the devoted thing shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done an outrageous thing in Israel. And so, of course, they did as the Lord instructed them, and they found the man. Could you please imagine for yourself just a moment if we went through this room, and the Lord brings us to each one of you. How are you feeling? Narrowing from tribe to clan to family. How do you respond to such a thing? I'll tell you the right way to respond is to jump up and confess your sin and to plead for God's mercy. But not this man. Verse 16, So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought all Israel uh, near tribe by tribe, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought near the clans of Judah. The clans of the Zarahites were taken. And then he brought near the clans of the Zarahites by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought near his household, man by man. And Achan, the son of Camry, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. And the man is found out. Be sure your sin will find you out. You cannot hide from God. You cannot. You cannot. You're only fooling yourself, my friend, to think that you will get away with it, that the God who knows all somehow has looked over you. He knows. And so the trial begins here in verse 19. 
And Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And here in verses 20 to 23, he confesses. He confesses. And Achan answered Joshua, Truly, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. And this is what I did. No mistake, my friend. He didn't say, you know, I made a mistake when I was out there. Friends, this was intentional. An intentional turning her back to God saying, I will have what I want. And I will do what I want. And I will do it however I want. And it is an attitude, my friend, that is slothed in sin. Truly, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I did. You will note carefully these words, my friends. When I saw he saw it. When I saw among the spoil, now that word right there indicates that he misunderstood. God had already said about this. None of this is to be taken home. This is all to go to the treasury. It does not belong to you. It belongs to me. When he saw it as spoil to be taken. It was a beautiful cloak from Shinar. Oh, and you know how lovely they are. 200 shekels of silver. Well, you know, we're needing a new car. A camel, whatever it is. And a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. And I coveted them. It sounds like an old-fashioned word, something from the Old Testament we don't talk about. To covet means to want something that does not belong to us. I have no right to it, but I'm going to take it anyway. And there comes the third aspect here. He saw, he coveted, and he took them. And he took them. And see, they're hidden in the earth inside of my tent with the silver underneath. And he dug a hole and he put it in there. Oh, the joy he must have owning these things in a hole in the ground. Sin is a liar, my friend. Sin is a liar. Oh, your life's going to be better if you do this. Think about how good that's going to be. It's a liar. In Joshua, verse 24, now comes the judgment. Joshua and all of Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the cloak and the bar of gold and his sons and daughters and oxen and donkeys and sheep, intent in all that he had. And they brought them up to the valley of Achor which means trouble. 
And Israel meted out the punishment. And Joshua said, why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones. And they burned them with fire. And stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore, to this day, the name of that place is called the Valley of Achor. Trouble, trouble, trouble. The wages of sin is death. But I want you to notice carefully it wasn't just him. Look at what his sin cost his family. Yeah, but the coat, it was so nice. It was pretty. It would look nice, you know, when I do that thing and I go there and I can wear that and everyone will say, hey, where'd you get that? Oh, I can't wear it at all, can I? Where'd you get that bar of gold and silver, all of these things? Trapped, immediately a prisoner of the things that he had stolen. Sin will destroy you. Sin will destroy all the good in your life. And that it will destroy you, my friends. Do not think that you for shall a moment, for, shall a, for just a moment, get away with sin. Sin is death. When you choose to sin, you choose death. Ask David. You know, King David, the one that's writing the Psalms, the one that's killing Goliath, who sits back and says, I wonder how big we are. What's our strength look like? Job says, no, David, don't do this. Don't you dare number the people. Our strength is in the Lord and not in our numbers. Don't do it. And David insisted. And because of his rebellion of God, 70,000 people died. Oh yeah, but David was all right though, right? Hey, no big deal there, right? 70,000 people. There's David. Well, at the time of the year, he should be out and fighting the battles, but he decides to stay back. And he's just out on the back deck. And behold, there is Bathsheba. Oh, she pretty. Bring her over here. He saw. He coveted. He took. And then he murdered a man to cover it up. Sin is a snowball, my friends. You can never sin once. You will continue in your sin to cover it, to hide it, to, to make it even seem right in your eyes. It will destroy you. It will destroy you. And so they had a baby. And what we know of David and what we hear about Bathsheba was probably the most amazing baby you've ever seen. 
but God wanted David's heart. The word called discipline, where God begins to work in us. And he took that baby's life. And you know why that baby had to die? Because David could not say no to himself. God help us if we are the same. We must say no. We must learn to look away. We must look away. And you know, we could spend the next 84 hours telling story after story of what sin has done to destroy a man's life, a woman's life, a family, a church. Because they haven't learned the lesson of watch your eyes, my friends. It always starts with the look, the imagination in the mind and the determination you're going to take what doesn't belong to you. Don't do it. Don't do it, my friends. Sin will destroy all the good in your life, and then it will destroy you. It will take you farther than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you far more than you are able to pay. So hear me when I say this, friends. Be sure your sin will find you out. You cannot hide from God. You cannot. You cannot hide from God. And the wages of sin is death. You say, yeah, but Jesus died. Do we really look at his death so carelessly as to think, yeah, so what? The whip with the little pieces of bones. Tore open his flesh because you wanted another one. You wanted a prettier one. You wanted people to think differently. It is just a little lie, isn't it? And yet your Lord Jesus died for it. He died to forgive you of it. What kind of monster am I? to continue on in sin, knowing the price of it all. And hear me when I say this, sin is never a blowout. It never just happens, it is always a slow leak. Not so much time to pray these days, you know I'm so busy. How much time to fellowship with my Lord? A step here, a step there. Sin is never a blowout. It's always a slow leak. Watch yourselves. Must you be the one that causes people to bow their head and shake it? How? I've known and been related to too many men in ministry because they could not say no to themselves, shamed their family, and shamed of their very God before the world because they saw and they never looked away. Wages of sin is death, my friends. It will cost you. You see, Everything is open and fair game for the Lord and discipline. 
if the Lord took David's child because of his sin, it's wide open. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And as I said before, sin is a liar. Oh, it'll tell you a story. Mm, I'll look good in that. Think of the things I could do and the places I could go. And sometimes it's just as simple as telling someone else's story. It doesn't belong to you. Giving yourself the credit that someone else has earned. Beware, my friends, the deceptiveness of sin, lest it cost you greatly, lest you shame the name of your Lord. Oh, beware. Oh, Father God, help us. Help us here today, for we are frail. There is no one innocent in this room. And without your grace, and without the work of your Holy Spirit in our life, we will never become what we long to be. People of holiness, people of purity, people who draw others to yourself because of the salt the light, which is you. Help us, God, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.